Welcome back to the Grim and Glamorous Podcast, a podcast about pop culture and the paranormal. I am one of your hosts, Al BG. And in the spirit of Halloween, we are in late October, and this podcast was originally started in October of 2018. We actually released our first three episodes of the podcast back in October, October 31st, 2018. So uh, we wanted to kind of go back to our roots there and do a few Halloween episodes. And we thought it would be a cool segment to do sort of a quick review and summary and taking a look at some of our favorite horror movies. Um, You could say Halloween horror films. And um, one of the ones that I wanted to kind of take a quick look at was uh, Midsommar, or Midsummer, uh, Ari Aster's 2019 film uh, with A24 Studios. Uh, His second film after Hereditary, which had come out a couple years before that. And um, interestingly enough, I saw that uh, Midsommar is playing or replaying in local theaters uh, in the lead up to Halloween, which I thought was really cool. And um, I remember seeing this film uh, back in, I think it was released in July of of 2019, and then I I may have seen it maybe early August. And um, a family member had uh, told, uh, told me about it, and they said that it was really shocking and disturbing and they were kind of describing the plot, and I was like, okay, I have to see this film. Uh, I hadn't seen Hereditary. Uh, I watched Hereditary at home um, after watching this film. But um, just the um, the sort of hype and discussion surrounding Astor's films, including Hereditary and Midsummer, were really um, of the moment back in 2019, 2020. And um, I remember at the time, people were saying that both films were sort of in this pantheon of sort of um, modern classics, uh, modern classics of the horror genre. And um, myself, personally, I was so enthralled by this film, just, um, you know, the visuals, the direction, the acting, the story, sort of uh, Ari Aster's uh, vision of sort of, you know, re-examining the horror genre and having these, um, you know, shocking visual scenes and really challenging, uh, disturbing storylines that make us question our own, um, you know, personal relationships and dynamics and all those things. And um, I remember being so enthralled by by Midsommar and then subsequently Hereditary that... um, um, I was in graduate school at the time, I submitted a um, presentation proposal for a pop culture conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So uh, at the end of 2019, uh, I was studying um, comp lit for a PhD program at, at Louisiana State University, and I was in Baton Rouge at the time. And um, and I saw that this pop culture conference, it's called um, the Southwest American Pop Culture Association. And they have this huge pop culture conference every year in Albuquerque. And I hadn't heard of it before, but 
um, as I sort of investigated and looked into it, and it looked really fun and really interesting. So I submitted this um, presentation proposal on discussing uh, Ari Aster's uh, films, both films, Hereditary and Midsommar, and sort of comparing, you know, psychological theory and um, and the horror genre and the storylines of, of both films, and um, presentation was accepted. Uh, I got to present this, this paper that I had done and uh, present it to a crowd of... Um, of maybe um, I want to say around 50, 50 people. Um, the conference is set up in such a way that um, there's like 20, 30 different presentations each of the three days that are that the conference takes place in Albuquerque. And so really cool opportunity, got to present that. And then um, on the, the second day, uh, I was able to moderate a panel on Midsommar. Um, because of the paper I had submitted, um, they were looking for um, a moderator uh, and discussion of the film. And the film was really popular, and so I think it was about six or seven academics, you know, undergrad, graduate, PhD level, um, six or seven other people wanted to talk about the film in this sort of roundtable. And so I had the, the pleasure of um, taking the lead and moderating that panel. Uh, and that one was probably one of the more popular ones at the conference, which was really cool to see that people were really engaging with this this film specifically. Um, so it's a film that's really rich in um, rich ground for analysis, um, just the symbolism and the story and the dynamics. And of course, the shocking sort of visceral images that take place um, during this this movie, um, sort of a hallmark of, of Ari Aster's of Ari Aster's films. Um, so it, it was rich ground for discussion, and so I kind of wanted to revisit it because it seemed of the moment again. Um, you know, they're showing it in some theaters locally uh, in the lead up to Halloween this year in 2023, and so kind of wanted to go over some some points that I found interesting. Um, I'm not going to review and summarize the whole film, but I'll, I'll probably do a little bit of a summary about what we're seeing here. Um, you know, Ari Aster sort of described this film as um, sort of a breakup film. Um, he, in some interviews before and after production, and once the film was released, um, he talked about how he had gone through um, a breakup, and this film was sort of um, sort of catharsis and uh, release from that sort of experience and crafting it and shaping it into a, a horror film that sort of subverts um, some of the paradigms of of the horror genre. Um, so really interesting to see that because that sort of what culminates and, and results in the conclusion where we see um, uh, the protagonist, the main character, Danny Ardor, uh, sort of take this like revenge, um, you know, revenge cathartic experience um, in the hands of a cult uh, on her on her boyfriend Christian. Um, so really interesting to note that uh, that Aster sort of made those comments about the film in general. Um, but we see um, a movie that's about relationships and relationship dynamics and stagnation and miscommunication. 
Um, our main character, Danny Ardor, played by Florence Pugh, who's uh, fantastic in this in this movie. Um, this was sort of like right when she was becoming really big and following this film was in six or seven other movies and shows and, and really um, her career has just exploded following um, following this movie. Um, so she's a student uh, in New York and she's dating um, a graduate student, um, Christian, played by Jack Rayner. And um, you can tell that things are not really going well between the two of them. Um, she calls him on the phone, worried about a message, an email that she got from her sister that was really troubling. And Christian sort of responds in sort of like a lazy, annoyed kind of a way. And he's like, you know, she always does this. She's just trying to get attention, you know, and you keep falling for it. So right away, um, we see in this conversation at the outset of the film, sort of the dynamics that are, are going on between the two of them. Um, they end the call and Christian is there at a, at a pizza place, uh, having dinner, a late dinner with, um, uh, with his roommates and classmates. Um, Josh played by William Jackson Harper, Mark played by Will Poulter and Pele played by Wilhelm Blomgren. Um, and so they're kind of ribbing him about this conversation and the relationship in general. And they're like, you know, Christian, you've you've been wanting to break up with her, and you and you haven't done it. What's sort of holding you back? And um, he's like, well, maybe I maybe I'm gonna regret it. And um, so they're just sort of like taking a look at how he's doing and um, going off of his feelings and his conversations. And you can tell that they're just sort of pushing him to kind of move on from this. Um, and we get the first um, hint of um, where the rest of the movie is going to go because Pele says, well, there's going to be lots of um, Swedish women when we go visit my village, um, you know, this summer. And um, so Pele um, lives in this village, this remote um, community in rural Sweden, um, which we come to find out um, is actually a cult. Um, but it's setting the stage for, for the rest of the film. And, um, and then we cut back from this conversation at the pizza place between, between the guys, um, to Danny talking on the phone with, um, with a friend. Um, we, we don't get the name of the friend. We never meet this person. They never come up again in the rest of the movie. Um, but um, she's sort of talking and sort of justifying Christian's behavior and actions to her friend over the phone. Well, maybe I push him too much and I'm always bringing up my drama, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it seems like she's trying to justify staying in this relationship and, and um, giving Christian sort of plausible deniability about how he's handling the relationship. Uh, and then we, we get um, her calls interrupted by another phone call. Um, and um, we see that there was actually credence to the worry that she had about the email she got from her sister. Um, we see that her sister, um, you know, trigger warning, um, ends her own life and takes her, her parents um, with her in a really tragic, horrifying scene. 
um, involving uh, car exhaust. Um, so that's just sort of a shocking scene that is the first of many shocking scenes that we're going to see throughout the movie. Um, and then obviously Danny gets this call and is horrified, calls Christian again. And um, we cut back to the pizza place and they're like, oh my gosh, he's calling you again. Um, and um, we see Mark, played by Will Poulter. Um, Will Poulter plays a really um, a really great um, sort of jerk of a friend. Um, he... Uh, the way that his character sort of talks and is really, you know, petulant and annoying and um, kind of you can tell he's annoyed by by Danny and Christian and their dynamic and, and all of that. Um, so he plays a really, a really great um, uh, counterpoint to uh, to Danny in this um, this whole friend dynamic. But we. Um, we see the aftermath of this um, horrific tragedy where Danny loses uh, her family. And um, we get the opening credits and the title, and then uh, we see Danny just sort of lying in bed, depressed. And Christian um, Christian's sort of like, hey, um, I'm a, I was thinking about going to this party. Um, if you're not really feeling well, you know, you don't have to go if you want to just get some sleep. And um, Danny's like, no, you know, I haven't been sleeping anyway, so maybe this will be good for me. So it cuts to the party, and she's um, she's there with Christian, and they're talking amongst their friends. And it comes out that this trip to Sweden is happening, and Christian has been planning on going. And, um, and the plans are set in stone, and the tickets are bought, and... Um, Danny's sort of taken aback because um, it seems like Christian has planned this trip and was going to go, and um, he's like, oh, well, I told you about it, and she sort of argues, well, you kind of mentioned it. You, I didn't know that these were real plans that you guys had made, and so um see a little bit of an argument there. Uh, Christian just feels guilty and, and invites Danny, and I don't, I'm not sure if he really means to invite her. Or wants her to go, but maybe feels obligated, and she takes him up on it. And um, his friends are annoyed, and we see um, Josh and Mark sort of, you know, their annoyed faces. Um, but Pele, interesting, interestingly enough, um, seems to want Danny to go, and this sort of sets the stage for um, one theory about the film that sort of Pele was orchestrating this whole thing. Um, we see him drawing her at some point with a flower crown. Um, he gives her this drawing for her birthday, which happens to be um, a really important date. So the reason for this trip is the Midsummer Festival uh, that happens in this village and celebrated in Sweden. And so Pele says it's uh, this particular event is, um, you know, once every 12 years or... Or so, um, and so it's not just a yearly thing, but um, this particular midsummer is, um, you know, a really, um, really special occasion, and he's glad that she's going. And so, um, we see sort of Pele is 
maybe orchestrating things and that there's a sort of a bigger plan in motion. Um, they get to the community, um, so they fly into into Sweden, and we see it's a um, really lush, verdant, um, you know, secluded community away from. Um, it's not in Stockholm or in any other major city in Sweden. It's sort of outside there. Uh, they fly into Stockholm, but um, it's a long drive to where they're actually going, and we see that it's sort of away from other other places and so we're already getting the sense that this place is sort of outside the bounds of uh of normal society and um so we get to this community this commune and everyone's dressed in white robes and the place is really beautiful and there's lots of unique um decor and buildings um mark sort of makes this comment that um you know when did we stop in waco um, sort of a sarcastic comment, but um, I think it points to and alludes to what's eventually going to happen. And so uh, at first, everyone seems really nice and friendly, and um, they seem really inclusive, and they're embracing these visitors, um, Pele's friends. We see um, one of Pele's, um, they call them brothers and sisters um, at this community. Everyone's sort of equal and wearing the same thing. Um, we see, um, one of Pele's other friends, um, he invited some people to come with him. So it seems like everybody that was living away from this community was asked to bring people, uh, to this summer festival. And so Pele did that and Pele's other friend did that. And they sort of meet, uh, we meet some outsiders, um, from London, I believe. And so they sort of, you know, talk to our, our protagonists uh, Danny and company, and um, there's some festivities and dancing and games, um, but then following that first night, we um, we see more sinister aspects in the first of our um, of our shocking scenes that take place at this community called the Harga uh, in Halsingland, in um, in in this uh, Swedish commune, and. Uh, it's a shocking scene. Um, it involves um, an elderly couple um, sort of diving off of a cliff uh, voluntarily. And um, our American friends and our British friends, uh, Danny included, are just stunned. Uh, what's interesting is that the night before, um, Josh mentions that he sort of knows what's, what's going to happen and sort of winks at Pele. So it seems that Josh is the one that's really studied this community and is really fascinated by it. And, and he's the one that's doing his research on this community um, as he talked about it with Pele. But it's interesting that Josh doesn't mention any of this to anybody else. And um, he seems shocked by it, but it seems like he knew about it from an academic standpoint. And... Um, as we see later on, um, that, that doesn't spare Josh from um, the events that will ensue from there. Um, but this is really the first sign that this isn't right. You know, something's really wrong with this community. The, uh, the British friends uh, right away make plans to leave, and then um, they get split up and then disappear, and then we find out that they were um, 
part of a, of a sacrifice that uh, will culminate at the end of the film. Um, but we see then the group sort of fall apart. Uh, Danny and Christian's relationship further deteriorate. Um, he forgets Danny's birthday, which happens to t- be taking place on the Midsummer Festival Day, um, which ends up being really important. But as, you know, Danny's lost her family and is increasingly feeling separated from Christian, um, she's being increasingly pulled in by this community. Um, And then we get to um, sort of the Maypole dancing scene where Danny just feels um, totally immersed and connected to this community as she um, is the um, the last dancer standing. Uh, dancing around the maypole and dressed in a gown and with flowers. Um, And so she's crowned May Queen to the delight of Pele and the other people uh, in the village. Um, Christian, on the the other hand, um, is sort of manipulated and they they sort of hint at some sort of magical uh, concoction to intoxicate and lure Christian into... um, into sleeping with one of the other um, the village girls um, for sort of ritual childbearing purposes. Um, yeah, the uh, the movie does get quite bizarre. Um, so we see um, Danny sort of elevated to the status of May Queen. She gets her picture taken and celebrated. Um, she discovers Christian's infidelity, um, which the um, the village leader, uh, one of the women in the village. Um, says that there was an astrological match between Christian and um, and this girl. And so um, so we get these hints that maybe this community, you know, they follow astrology and nature and um, and do these rituals and and all these things that are involved. Um, so in some reviews they've called um, this commune and, um, this group as sort of like this pagan nature cult uh, in rural Sweden. Um, so Danny's crowned May Queen is devastated by Christian's infidelity. And then um, we see Christian sort of get captured by um, by the, the community elders and um, is made to um, be, be paralyzed and put into a bear costume. And then we see um, the final scene where there's, um, we see that um, the visitors that have been disappearing, including uh, Christian, Josh, Mark, our British friends, plus some volunteers from the community, uh, are part of are part of this ritual sacrifice uh, to nature that they do for this midsummer festival. Um, so Danny, as crowned May Queen. She's wearing this flower gown and, and crown, uh, gets the final say on who gets to be the final sacrifice, Christian in the um, Christian or uh, a stranger. And uh, this is where sort of the, the most shocking turn happens uh, in the movie is that Danny decides to sacrifice Christian. Um, and this sort of fits with what Ari Aster was saying as sort of... Um, a cathartic breakup film sort of was underlying um, the horror and um, sort of um, dramatic horror 
conventions that the film was uh, was based on is that um, you know we see her sort of embrace this darker aspect of herself and um, and find community and family in this cult uh, that Pele was part of. And so um, a lot has been made of this final scene where Christian's in a bear costume and and the the other people that were sacrificed are, are burnt in this um, burnt in this triangular golden building. And um, we see everybody coming together to sort of, um, you know, act out towards um, in, in this cathartic emotional um, reaction to the sacrifice. Everyone's sort of acting in unison. And that's sort of one theme that we see throughout in um, in the cult and the community there is that everybody sort of shares things together. They wear these gowns. Um, everybody sort of shares in the emotions. Um, when Danny feels pain and is struggling with the revelation of Christian's, um, Christian's infidelity, um, all the women sort of come together around her and sort of mimic her emotions and uh, reactions. Um, we also see this in um, in the infidelity scene that um, the community sort of comes together to sort of act out the emotions together, um, which is really interesting but also terrifying. Um, but really interesting to see on film that um, it seems to, at least in the case of Danny's reaction, lessen the burden of her own emotions by having other people take it on with her. Um, it was one of the scenes in the trailer where Danny's sort of screaming and everyone's screaming together with her um, repeatedly and mimicking the, the, the tone and the volume and the pace. Um, it's really, um, really just visually a, um, a really gripping scene. Um, but that brings me to my other point as well. Um, if one thing can be said about this film, whether you liked it, whether you didn't like it, it's been controversial. Um, it's been glorified as sort of a modern classic. Um, one thing you do have to give Ari Aster credit for is that visually this film is really breathtaking. Um, from start to finish, the costumes, the setting, the place, um, the visual effects, um, the flowers, the gown, um, the colors, the buildings, um, everything is just visually intoxicating. Um, and sort of mimics how intoxicating this um, this cult and and how they lure Danny and and her friends into this trap um, is sort of highlighted by um, the visual elements of this film. Um, the same could be said for Hereditary, just visually, um, you know, stunning. And um, there's a lot of scenes, graphic scenes that are shocking. Um, I think this film also has some of those shocking elements, but the visuals on their own, I think, stand apart and are really noticeable. Um, I think A24, um, back in 2019, um, in early 2020, um, had auctioned off some of the, the costumes and the gowns and the flowers uh, as part of a charity event because um, the... The, the gown that Danny wears and the flower crown that she wears is really um, visually just really um, enticing and um, I can see why it was a, a popular um, 
popular item to bid on as sort of film memorabilia. Um, but yeah, just visually, um, that's one of the things that really stands out. And um, another thing that I think is worth mentioning besides not just the costumes and the setting and the shocking scenes, um, you know, we have the bonfire, we have the cliff jumping, we have um, the uh, the maypole dancing scene. All of those things are really grab your attention. But um, um, what's also really interesting is that in some ways there's a lot of foreshadowing and at various moments we see what's going to happen before anything happens as sort of like everything is sort of preordained and predestined to play out a certain way. Uh, the first scene involves sort of this um, illustrated panel with different sections in really colorful artwork. Um, and it's the first thing that we see. We see the sun in the middle and then surrounding the sun, the smiling sun, we see different scenes where, um, you know, the bear costume, the maypole dance, um, the hypnotic trance of the, um, you know, they take psychedelics while they're there at the... Um, at the commune and we see all these things um sort of laid out um the seduction of christian by um the girl as part of this community um all of these things are on this panel and if you're watching the movie for the first time you don't really know what you're looking at you just say oh that's some really interesting artwork but what it's actually doing is setting us up for this is what's going to happen you just don't know it yet um which is really interesting uh, again, when we talk about um, going back to that scene with Pele, when we first meet Pele and um, he's talking to Danny and he says he's really glad that she's going to be there, we get this sense that he wants her there for a reason and then we see it unfold in that way. Um, so whether that's just Pele's doing or uh, or fate or um, uh, or the commune at large sort of manipulating events and people to the way that they want it to turn out. Um, either way, we get this sense that this was always meant to happen. Um, almost like sort of a Shakespearean, um, in, in a lot of Shakespearean plays, uh, Macbeth is one that comes to mind, um, you know, with the, the prophecy of the witches, you know, th these things are going to play out and we tell the characters and it still happens. That's sort of the feeling that I get from um, the foreshadowing in this movie. Um, and then finally, I think um, it's interesting to look at the academics of um, um, of the characters. Um, they all happen to be students uh, of anthropology and then Danny with psychology. Um, I'm not quite sure what to make of the fact that they're all graduate students. It seems like there's a there's a this contrast between maybe the head and the heart, right? Um, we have Josh, who's really smart and intelligent and has studied this community, but he still falls victim to um, the manipulations of, of the commune and the cult, um, which sort of says to me that um, there's a difference between being book smart and studying something and studying a culture from an outside perspective and thinking that you know it and thinking that you're safe from it. Um, versus the heart, I think we really see the relationship dynamics between Christian and Danny and that being really tragic in the sense that, 
starts out with a tragedy of her family and she's looking to Christian for support and it's just not working. And then we see that turn ultimately in the end where Danny sort of takes out her revenge on Christian um, and going with her, her heart and her gut instinct to, to become one of the, of the cult members and be fully immersed and crowned May Queen and uh, really do some devastating, um, uh, devastating acts on behalf of the cult and be on behalf of her own, um, her own broken heart. Uh, so really fascinating movie again overall it's one of my favorites um not just um not just one of my favorite horror films but one of my favorite films because of all these elements that are really rich uh including the stunning visuals um the story the characters the acting i think ari aster uh makes some really great films i don't think that they're perfect um they've been critiqued um Midsummer and Hereditary have sometimes been critiqued for um, being overly emphasizing of the visuals and the effects, um, maybe to the point where some of the story in the background sort of suffer a little bit. But um, I think overall, they're really well done. Uh, they say Ari Aster is working on a third film, which, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he comes up next following uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, which were um, have been considered hits and sort of are part of the lore and canon of um, of horror film modern classics. So, um, you know, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this is really fun to kind of go back and look at one of my favorite horror films um, to look back at something that um, that I sort of dove into from an academic standpoint, from a pop culture standpoint. Um, horror films are some of my favorite movies, um, and they're so fun to watch during this time of year when it's Halloween and spooky season and the weather changes and, you know, you've got your, your hot cocoa or your hot beverage and you're watching, um, a horror film, um, at night under the covers. Um, so that's always fun for me to do, um, when it's this time of year. And so to kind of look at horror films and sort of you know, revisit them and um, maybe gain some new perspectives on them um, has been a, a really fun exercise. And so I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do this more to kind of look at some of our, our favorite movies and films um, and sort of add our perspective to it a little bit. Um, so thanks so much for listening uh, once again to the Grim and Glamorous podcast. We hope you enjoyed and we hope you have a fun and safe Halloween this year in 2023. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.